I'm going to I'm going to start with a a, a quotation, uh, and you know I, I just discovered this this week uh, when. Uh, good Orthodox writer says something, his words, although might be considered, we would call them quote, quotes, uh, are really like prayers. Uh, and that's the sort of the, the, the uniqueness of Orthodoxy is that all the various parts all fit together and one cannot compartmentalize the sections. It's all a part of a whole. So I'm gonna start by reading you this quote and just let it soak in because I think it's it's much like it's as much a prayer as it is a quote. This is from a, a work called "Our Thoughts Determine Our Lives." It's by a Serbian monk. This book came out about 20 years ago, and I wonder if he's been canonized by the Serbs. I don't know. Uh, anyway, his name is Elder Thaddeus of Vito, Vito, Vitovnica, I guess is the way it said. But anyway, he says this. Let us fall down before the Lord with an innocent heart, using our own words in addition to the prayer rule that we all adhere to and which we very much need. For if we have no prayer rule, then the evil one will give us his own rule, all kinds of thoughts. That's why we need prayer, no matter how short. This is how we show our love toward God. And because of this love, he will draw us into his embrace. See, it's almost like a prayer. It's almost like asking Christ to do this in us. Well, after last week and Father Mark's summary of what we talked about with Father John of Kronstadt, uh, I, I felt like I sort of summarized everything, but he so, in, he so enforced the notion that we are in the gap, so to speak, uh, interceding that we thought it might be useful to just touch on some aspects of prayer, of the discipline of prayer. And so that's sort of what I want to do today. And you may have heard what I'm about to say. And if that's the case, then uh, forgive our, my incompetence uh, and, and just see if you can glean some pearls out of this regardless. Anyway, the emphasis has been week after week on our role as intercessors and as prayers. Prayers, and there, there again, prayer and a prayer, <laughs> two aspects of the same thing. It is the same thing. The origin of the word prayer comes to us from the Latin. Some, some say it comes from precari, to pray or to beseech. Uh, there's a variation of it, orare, which means to beseech, from which we get oratory, place of prayer, oracle, or orate. <laughs> I wish some of our politicians would learn how to orate the correct way. Uh, the world would be a better place. Uh, the terminology uh, assumes conversation with God. Conversation with God. See, we think of prayer as we gotta, we got to throw these words out there, these ideas, rather than converse with God in these ideas. Think of some of the examples of prayer in the Bible. Adam in the Garden of Eden, walking and talking with God. That's a personal conversation that goes on there to the point that when Adam got called for his sin, he actually blamed God. So, I mean, they had that kind of personal interaction. What about Abraham and interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18? Lord, you know, don't, don't get mad at me, but uh, that's pretty personal. What about Moses at the burning bush? 
who is it I'm supposed to say is sending me? And besides that, I got a speech impediment, so you might want to find somebody else to do this job. You know, uh, notice God didn't let him get away with it. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. We can, we can argue with God all we want. We are not going to win as long as we understand that. God allows us to argue with him as long as we understand who wins. That's, just, that's really the point of the story of Job, according to the Orthodox interpretation. So Job dared to challenge God, and God let him and finally brought him to his senses in the end. Uh, so there's, there's something to be said for that. And what about St. Paul on the road to Damascus? Who are you? Uh, this voice that was coming down out of nowhere speaking to him. And what about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Father, let this cup pass from me. Uh, this is pretty personal, pretty intimate. It's conversation with God. We have different names for the prayer in the church. The two most known, known names, I think I've mentioned this in previous lessons, are office and liturgy. What I like about these two terms is one refers to the daily prayers, the organized, structured daily prayers of the church, particularly among monastics. And liturgy refers to the mass primarily, although we tend to use the word liturgy to refer to any series of fixed prayers. Uh, both of them come from words which imply the concept of work. So prayer is work. We must get over the notion that this is going to be something easy and quickly done. And we just get our duty through and go on to other things, better things, more important things. This is work. And we learn to do it. We should be exhausted when we're done. I love it. Father, Father Zacharias talks about the tension of prayer. Whoever thought about prayer as being tense? Well, when it's work, it's tense. And so Father Zacharias even says, when you pray, make sure you sit in a position with your feet flat on the floor so you're not getting relaxed. And what do the religions of the world say? Prayer is relaxing. <laughs> put your hands back, kick your feet up, get yourself in your lounge chair, you know, and push it on the automatic electric, raise your feet up type position. That's the way you pray. Relax, breathe until you forget all your troubles. It's tense. It's work. Wow. So it will be laborious. Prayer will have two major aspects. We must always remember this. And conversation with God is a part of it. One is practical, the to-dos, the things we do. And the other is mystical. That is, we will encounter God, or that's the goal is to encounter God. Uh, so when we do these things, the goal is to encounter God. When we encounter God, it only happens when we do these things, and the two go together. They are two parts of the same thing. Everything is a part of the picture. And prayer is food for the soul. Prayer feeds our souls like food feeds our bodies. So we, we can't dismiss prayer. Uh, I mean, we wouldn't, most of us wouldn't dismiss a meal, not even during Lent, you know, when we have impetus to do so. Uh, so we, we, can't, we can't negate the importance of prayer for our lives. Uh, it feeds our souls. It nurtures us in ways we've never anticipated. It must be done. Having said that then, and, and I, I offer this in spite of the fact that I said a few weeks ago, and some of you came up to me about it and wanted me to reiterate the points, but that if one is not praying at all, my recommendation usually is start with something simple, like set up your prayer times 
and twice a day say the Kyrie, the Gloria Patri, the, 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 the Hail Mary and the Our Father, I believe that's what the four are. Well, I'm going to add something else to that, and that's only a general rule. Uh, but one of the things that one can remember, and all of us will, will learn this one way or the other uh, in the Christian life, and that is prayer can, what the content of prayer can be defined by the acronym ACTIP, A-C-T-I-P. Pretty easy to remember. Uh, and sometimes you'll see it in different forms and different arrangements. I, I choose ACTIP because that's the first one I was taught and it stayed with me. So if you've heard it a different way backwards or something, that's okay. As long as if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So in any case, A for ACTIP is adoration. Learning to praise God. Uh, the, hymn, the opening hymn today was a hymn of praise to God. And it was nice in that place. Uh, and there are hymns in the life of the church that are hymns of adoration, and you just you get caught up in it. One of the most powerful hymns, and from, this is my ethnicity speaking out here, mind you, but I'm speaking with great sense of reality and pride and all that, but one of the most powerful hymns of praise is St. Patrick's Breastplate. If you haven't figured that out, let me tell you something. We used to, at St. Benedict's, we used to, on Trinity Sunday, we sang it as the opening hymn. And one year we did it, and when it was done, we sang the whole thing. You sing the whole thing, you don't do part of it. You do yeah, every time, you do the whole thing. By the time it got done, we couldn't start the Mass. I'm saying we, my deacon was next to me, and he's Irish too, and the two of us are just, oh, so... We were overwhelmed. So, so from that year, what? It should be the only. Well, that from that year on, we put it at the end, so that when the service was over, we could just sort of bask in it. Uh, that's praise of God. Let me tell you something. Saint Patrick was gifted, and and the music that in that this is an FYI that has nothing to do with the glory of God. But the music was beautifully chosen. I think uh, two different old Celtic hymns or melodies that were used, so they fit the words. The cultural, the, the, the theology, the life, everything fits together as a whole. It's very orthodox to do something like that. Uh, but in, anyway, it's, it's a very powerful hymn of praise. Read some of the Psalms of praise. For example, Psalms 94 to 98 or 144 to 150. Go to the back of the Psalter. Do the last five. If you haven't learned praise by then, you'll never learn. Uh, they're, they're beautiful. C, confession. That is, doing a self-examination, looking in ourselves, looking in to see, seeking to find out what is in us that keeps God out. For example, if I don't want to say prayer time, why? What's going on in me that I don't want to pray? That I don't like to pray? I don't want to make time, or I think it's a nuisance. What's going on in me? Well, it's something here. It's not out there. It's not God. It's not prayer. It's not the church. It's right here. So what is it? So we have to look inside. And when we see what we see, we're not going to like it. We have to then admit it. It's like by my fault, by my own fault, by my own most gracious, grievous fault. <laughs> gracious, too, if it's correct. <laughs> We have to be willing to say that. Lord, how do you put up with me? Come on home. Prodigal son story is every one of us. So there's self-examination, there's admission, and then there's house cleaning. Remember I told you, I used stories. 
and I, and I alluded to this, this is like parallel to the life of the temple. And some of the priests who weren't doing the sacrifices and leading the prayers and doing the chanting were responsible for cleanup. And the temple is not just the building, but, and not just the presence of God, but it's within our own souls. This is the building that needs to be cleaned up for each one of us. And that's what confession is. And that's why in the offices of the church, particularly in the Western Rite, the Psalms, or Psalm 51, is used every day. And in the Eastern Rite, in the Mass, it's used every, isn't it? In the East Rite, in, in the Mass Rite, Psalm 51, the Psalm of Confession is used, or 50 if you're using the Greek version. But there are also, there are six other Psalms of Repentance that the Western Rite uses. 6, 32, 38, 103, 130, and 143. I like this. The six days of creation and the other one is it's sort of like the six candles on the altar, which represent the tree of life and the six days of creation. And God is in the middle as the first and the last. And, you know, wow, that's what confession is. It's partaking of fruit of the tree of life. So we want to do it. Thanksgiving. That's identifying and acknowledging blessings. You know, it's funny how we are. The minute something goes wrong, it's, why did God let this happen to me? Woe is me, and you don't understand. You all have such good lives, and I've got all these troubles. Well, we've all got troubles. All of us. Some of us have more than others, but we all have them. This, is, this life is a mess. We all know it. But there are all kinds of blessings that also occur constantly, we're so caught up in the negative that we don't see it. And also, this is what I like about the Christian life. God works all things together for the good. So no matter how bad the circumstances in our lives are, God is going to transform them into blessings. I like to say that God doesn't waste anything. You and I waste. If it doesn't work, we toss it. That's our culture. But God doesn't waste anything. So the worst crises that happen to us can be used, will be used by God to help transform us and deify us. We should be thankful for that. Not to say, thank you, Lord, that you, you, you caused me to have the car accident and tear up my car and break my back and I'm down now for months at a time. But, but that you're going to take this and do something good out of it. Bless me because of it and help me to grow because of it. Thank you for that. Would have liked to it if you, here's the conversation part. I would have liked to it, Lord, if you hadn't had to do that or let that happen or whatever. I can, I can be convinced. Well, actually, I can't be convinced. Sometimes he has to let things like that happen to me just to get through to me. I have a hard head. Uh, but Thanksgiving, identifying and acknowledging our blessings and articulating these in prayer. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. We don't do that. Some psalms of thanksgiving, 29, 31, 33, 64 to 66. And I've got LXX in my notes, which means those are the Septuagint or the Greek numbers. So that might be, what, 30, 32, 34, and 65 to 67. Intercession, prayer for others. We, we are to pray for others. What, what, do I, what do I pray? Or what do, how do I do this? Well, the first thing is we have lists. And unless, unless you're capable of, of remembering everybody, and most of us not, it's best to have lists of intercessions. So uh, write it down and keep lists. 
Uh, and there are different ways to have lists. You know, Bishop Basil sends out a clergy note to us about every four days, and he has a list of people who need our prayers, and that's one of my lists. As <laughs> soon as I see that, I stop and I pray for all those people. Then I move on with the letter. Uh, and I look forward to it coming in about four times a week. And so that's one of my lists. I also have some up in my in my head that uh, I've memorized. I can't memorize things like that, but if, if you do it for so many years, sometimes the lists get locked in. So have lists of those for whom you need to be interceding. And the Easter rite gives us some examples uh, in, the, in the litany of the mass, the first litany. Pray for the world, pray for the church, pray for the local parish, pray for the hierarchy. Remember, the hierarchy is not just the bishops, it's the clergy too. Remember the old saying, I think I've used this before, if we don't pray for our priests, we get what we deserve. So, is that, isn't that right? Exactly. And, and you and I know that more than anything. <laughs> we know what they're getting. So, it's bad people, real bad, so you better pray. For secular rulers, you know, we, we dismiss the, the Congress and the president, and but are we praying for them? I mean, if we're, dealing from, if we're dealing with all of this from a short deck, what about people that don't have Christ? What are they dealing with? We, they need our prayers. For cities, for health, for a fruitful earth. In the Western Rite, there's a, in the St. Ambrose prayer book, there are prayers for mourning, and there's a litany in there. The litanies, oh, the litanies of the church give us so much about, about thing, lists for prayer. So if you take this one little litany, it has all near and dear to us, our country and its rulers, our bishops, our priests, our parishes, our monastics, our missionaries, those being married, Christian homes, those going to work, children, the sick and the suffering, all other needs. That's pretty comprehensive. I like to take my book and just leave it out when I say my prayers. And there's my list right there in the book. And I just go down the list of the litany uh, and fill in the blanks. So, and, and you know, there's not, a, there's not a rule for how to do that. So whatever works best for you, but within that boundary, I think you find that you will need to have prayer lists. And if you haven't already figured that out, most of us can't remember half this stuff. And lastly, some intercession, petition, that is for ourselves. So we wait for our own needs to last. And this is one of the ones that gets dropped sometimes in, in the ACTIP, uh, acronym is just A-C-T-I and leave petition off. But I'd say that's the nature of conversation, prayer is conversation, is that we can beseech God for what we need uh, as long as we're willing to accept his answers. Um, so petition would be for self, but it needs to be last. So we take care of all the other work first. Now, some, some things about this in general. Uh, learning all of this is hard work. First and foremost, we have to set times, which means we have to establish the habit of prayer. And if we're not in the habit of prayer, this is going to be really, really hard. Really hard to find the time that works best. And, and anything, you know, there's no rule. I get up at five in the morning. I like to say my prayers, my morning prayers at six. So, but you don't have to do that. I had a, a friend who had a had an evening job from seven to seven, and he likes saying the daily offices of the church. So he said matins before he went to work 
at 7 p.m. or at 6 p.m. And he got off at 7 a.m. in the morning and said his vespers, because that was the beginning and the ending of the day. And he came up to me, he said, is this okay? And I said, hey, I'm not arguing with you as long as you're doing it. If I try to tell you to turn it around, you'll probably stop. Leave it alone. So a lot of things that work, but we do need to establish the times and establish the habit. And what I often tell people who, who want to get started just at the beginning, we have to keep doing the same things repeatedly until it becomes so much a part of our lives that we hate it. We detest it when something interrupts it. You know, I, I, I'm retired now. We could travel if we wanted to, but there are all kinds of reasons why we don't. But one of them is my prayer time gets all messed up. You don't know what kind of work I've had to do working with this guy to learn how to do this stuff. So it's a task. Another thing is to say it aloud. Learn to pray aloud. That's a hard one. One of my favorite stories of a saint, I think it was St. Augustine, but I'm not sure. But he was so accustomed to saying the prayers aloud that when he got laryngitis, he was depressed because he couldn't pray. Well, he could pray, but he couldn't pray aloud because he didn't have a voice. Uh, so learn to say it aloud. And here's another thing. Now, I'm stepping in the realm of sound and scientific stuff that I don't understand, so forgive my ignorance. But there are, there are scientific people who put big receivers up on mountainsides to listen to see if there is sound or noise coming to us from elsewhere in the universe, from other civilizations and peoples and things like that. And they're constantly sending out messages and music from different generations and this kind of stuff out into the universe. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna go into that, but, but, but what I wanna say is this, sound is out there. And all the sound that's being made, all kinds of things, you know, they, they show this on TV where they, they get a soundtrack and there's just it's noise and they can separate scientifically or, or electronically the different sounds. What if we were all doing our prayers out loud and those sounds were floating out there in the, the cacophony of sounds of our society and our world and someone separated them and heard them? Guess what? God separates them. He hears it all. That's why, you know, when Jesus admonishes us about <laughs> what we say and, you know, and that kind of thing, it's really important. So at least we can do is pray out loud and let that sound be out there. And we don't know who's receiving what. You know, we're out there, we're receiving all this noise, and it's just a, a, a just conglomeration of sounds. Uh, but sometimes we might hear something unconsciously and not realize what we've heard. And it may have an effect on our souls. Maybe not. I'm, I'm convinced that it does. So pray aloud. There are two parts of prayer as we learn it. All of this that I'm talking about, that is both private and corporate. We have to learn both. It's not enough to say, well, I come to church once a week and I go to weekday mass. That's good. But we need to pray at home, too. And it's not enough to say, well, I have a developed prayer life at home. I don't need to come to church. That's not it's, it's both corporate and private. It's both. And we want to learn both. And we take all these dynamics and we use both in both settings. Don't rush. We're not here to race through our prayers. So, you know. 
I can't go to that church. They take too long. <laughs> Thank God orthodoxy doesn't care about that, you know. So if, if, if you're in a hurry, you know how it is when you come to an orthodox church, you, you hear those words in the Eastern, right? Let us conclude our prayers unto the Lord, and you've still got an hour to go. So, so you know, this is so disappointed. I, I, this is, a, this is a, a confession of sorts, but we go to a clergy retreat every year in, in the Diocese of Wichita, uh, and they they do all the services according to the Eastern Rite. And Vesper, when I first started doing this, I didn't, I wasn't familiar with the Eastern Rite Vespers. And so when you're not familiar with the parts of the services, it's it, they seem longer. The services seem longer and, and more time consuming. Um, and so I didn't know what was going on. And I was just saying, oh, my back is killing me. And they never seemed to end. It was only 45 minutes, but uh, 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 <laughs> I just thought I was going to die. And then one day I had an impulse from somewhere that said, why don't you pray for the people in your parish while you're going through this service? And I had been doing it long enough that I had the entire list of all of my parishioners memorized in my mind. So once the Vespers started, I deliberately started interceding for everybody in the parish. And when I got through the list, the service was still going on. So I just started over again. Uh, and they finished Vespers, and I wasn't done. And I was kind of irritated, you know. Uh, and, and that was a valuable lesson to me. We're not here to rush through this. I, I, before I became Orthodox many, many years ago, I heard the story of a priest who prided himself in the fact that he could do a low mass in 20 minutes. That I don't care if he can do a low mass in 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always measured myself by that when I when we I became Orthodox and we we're doing the Western Rite. The, the, the shortest low mass I ever did was 40 minutes. The shortest without a homily. So longer if you do a homily, it's an hour. Uh, so yes, ma'am. A deacon's mass, a low, low deacon's mass is done in 30 minutes. Yeah, but uh, technically the deacon's mass is not doesn't exist either. So. Uh, <laughs> you can't you, you, one just can't you just can't do it without the, one can't rush so we're not in a hurry we just let go let go and let God just just enjoy the time and the experience uh, we have to learn to do these things first the things that I've talked about we have to learn to do them uh, that's really important it's not just a theory that goes on and bounces around our heads. There's doing a prayer. Uh, and lastly, in the middle of it all, we have to try to focus on what it is we're saying. This is the hardest part. Uh, you know, I, 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 I get excited and we'll start the mass and something will occur in the mass. And, and I'll, oh, this is a wonderful insight. And then I'm out there lost in the insight and totally missing out what's happening right in my midst. And so I have to bring my thoughts back. And then I start concentrating on why I got distracted. Uh, and so then I bring my thoughts back and then I could concentrate on the whole temptation of what happens during prayer. And so, you know, it's one thing after another trying to focus. It is a real, no wonder we're all exhausted when we get through praying, you know, it is a real struggle. But so sum this up. When you're thinking about interceding and, and, and all that requires us, what it requires us to do and be is that what we are doing is conversing with God. I mean, when, when one gets distracted, loses his focus, Lord, help me. 
help me to focus. He wants to do that. Remember that it's conversation for God. It's food for the soul. All that I've talked about is that which nourishes us and strengthens us and makes us like the saints. The saints of the church have learned these things. That's why they are the way they are. And they share it with us. And it's, it's so beautiful. And it's work. You know, come out of here, all of us needing the liturgical nap. Uh, remember ACTIP. A-C-T-I-P. Establish prayer habits. Uh, Elder Thaddeus described it as the rule of prayer. That's what it's called. The rule of faith is the doctrinal package of the church summarized in the Nicene Creed. But the rule of prayer is the discipline that we learn. This is our assignment on earth. And when we do it, we open ourselves to all of eternity. And because we are in this world, we expose all of this world and all of the universe to that same eternity to which we have been exposed. Wow. All just because of prayer? Yep. Just because. Let me reread the words from Elder Thaddeus. Let us fall down before the Lord with an innocent heart, using our own words in addition to the prayer rule that we will all, all adhere to and which we very much need prayers of the church. For if we have no prayer rule, then the evil one will give us his own rule, all kinds of thoughts. You know, that's, that's one of the things, you know, at the, at the, at the mass, was it C.S. Lewis said, you know, we get so distracted, the devil will make sure that we get so distracted that instead of seeing the wonderful thing that's going on at the altar, we're looking at dust on the back of someone's coat, you know, or what I'd like to think is, look at these priests, this one doesn't have a beard, so he can't really be orthodox. And this one, does, this one's beard is not long enough, so he can't really be orthodox. And neither of us has a ponytail, so we can't be orthodox. No orthodox clergy around here. You laugh. But how often do we do that? It is petty little stuff. Petty little stuff. And this great miracle is happening on the altar right in our midst. This great miracle has already happened in our midst, and it's happening right in here. It's happening in this room, in each of us in whatever ways. So anyway, he will give us all kinds of thoughts. That's why we need prayer, no matter how short. And that's not suggesting that we whip through it and keep it short, but that we, we everything works, even, even just the Our Father. This is how we show our love toward Christ. And because of this love, he will draw us into his embrace. Our society is sick because the humanity is supposed to do this. And in our world, no one is because the fallen world does not. And so our duty, our work is to allow ourselves to be drawn into this mystery. When we do, we fulfill creation and we become what God wanted human beings to be. And all of creation through all of time is changed, never the same big order, isn't it, <laughs> for a bunch of sinners? <laughs> but it is what it is. And thank God we're allowed to participate in it. Okay. Enough said. Any questions? Or should we leave it at that? <laughs> All right. Thank you. God bless.